Good morning, Hillside. Would you please stand and sing with us today a favorite song you all know. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise Join the triumph of the skies With angelic hosts Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hailed incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. All right, good morning, Hillside. You can be seated just for a second, then we'll be getting back up. But I want to welcome you this morning. My name is Randy Fishback. I'm the CJM Compassion, Justice, and Missions Director here at Hillside. And uh, wow, what a glorious turnout we have. This is wonderful, right before Christmas. Uh, we know that some of you who are watching online couldn't be with us today because there's a lot of illness going around, and so we hope that you recover quickly. We're praying for you. And uh, hopefully you can come back for some of our Christmas services that we'll be discussing in a moment. But for those of you who are here, fasten your seatbelts and buckle in because there's a lot of elements today from the very young to the kind of very old. Um, I, I'm in that second group, so I have to kind of temper my enthusiasm. But, but um, we have a lot of elements today, and I'm convinced the reason for that is we're probably supposed to have these through all of Advent, but all the groups needed more rehearsal time, so they just kept saying, well, just give us another week, give us another week, give us another week. And so now it's all back and loaded on this fourth Sunday of Advent. So uh, we're going to have just a glorious service with lots of things going on, and we welcome all of you who are also online and hope you will enjoy it also. And with that, band, we have quite the band today, Clay and everybody, my goodness, you guys are all here, Carolyn, Goog. So um, let's go and get back to worshiping. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand as we worship together, but we are anticipating the birth of the risen Christ. So before we do that, I want you to listen to the words of a verse of three different carols, which I think speak really beautifully to the yearning of a redeemer, the hope of him restoring the world, and the promise of his kingdom to come. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appears. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. 
He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. Let's sing together with the hope of the coming of our long-expected Jesus. Today, we light four candles. The first candle is a candle of hope as we wait in hope. The second candle is the candle of peace, the peace that comes from God. The third candle is the candle of love. Uh, excuse me, the third candle is a candle of joy. We have joy in God's promises. And the fourth candle is the candle of love. During Advent, we wait in love, knowing that the Good Shepherd loves his sheep and gives his life for them. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Matthew 1, 21. 
A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 13, 34 through 35. And for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And the scripture reading that the choir will be singing over us here. From Isaiah 9, verses 2, 6, and 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the kingdom of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this.
All right. We've got some... Oh, I've lost one of my props. Hold on. Too many moving parts today, folks. Hey, we want to share with you some uh, church life announcements, some things going on in the church. But before we get to the future things, we want to talk about some things that we've been doing um, being light in the world. So we had a great fellowship. We had some outreach to our nearby neighbors, and we had some giving um, opportunities in our greater area. And we want to share those with you because we kind of do things in this church, and then we kind of forget to, to recap them. So we're, the first three things we're going to do is do that. So the fellowship thing was the senior fellowship dinner. This was the down-home country um, event and festive event and there's the band that played that's Alex Morphy and the spinning wheel bluegrass band and there's Michelle and her kitchen crew who cooked this fabulous meal it was like a full-on you know Christmas meal that they cooked for us and so we really enjoyed that so um, there were over a hundred seniors and other people there and so that was our first event we just had recently and then next we had the Christmas fair, the children's Christmas fair. This was for our neighborhood, basically for the church children, but also for our neighborhood. We had over 100 um, people come through, 10 different stations. Um, I tip my cap to Carly Anderson and all the work she did. Yeah. You know, Carly put on Trunk or Treat also, and she used all this social media to get the word out. And we thought, we don't know if a lot of people are coming. People haven't really said. And then we had just a ton of people. And so on the heels of that, Carly put this event on. And so I think we're starting to really minister to our neighborhood and invite them here. And we saw a lot of people we hadn't seen before. So that's just a wonderful thing. And then the third thing was our Christmas sharing tree. Thanks to Sherry Nodder, shown there. So, so this was Sherry's first year doing it, and there was some apprehension because in the past, not all of you have returned what you took a tag for. And so um, Sherry said, uh-oh, they, they just totally hit it out of the park this year. People, I think, maybe felt so bad about that. They, you know, I was supposed to get one gift card, but I got three. Can you use them? And, and so I want to I tell you some of the stats on this, and I don't want to miss them. So this was, this was a record-breaking year for the sharing tree. There were 80 coats and toys given to True Vine Ministries in Oakland. I think one of the photos is the delivery to True Vine. You guys can bring that up. Yep, they're delivering. 80 coats and toys to True Vine Ministries, over 20 gifts, gift cards to Restore, the men and women's uh, Restore House in Concord. And then in addition to that, the Oasis Ministry, the women's um, study, gave a new washer and dryer to Restore. So that was just fantastic. Thanks for doing that. And then 25 gift cards to Arm of Care. Arm of Care is a group that works with um, trafficked uh, people and restoring them through the arts. And 25 gift cards were given to Arm. And then eight gifts were given to children of those uh, parents who are in Contra Costa jails. And so some, for many of them, this is the only gift they'll get. Now, for that last one, we still have to deliver those gifts. And we're doing that Wednesday at 10 a.m., your bulletin or your e-newsletter said Friday at 10. If you show up Friday at 10, you're going to be part of the work crew that is also meeting that morning. So, you know, you think you're delivering gifts and you're going to get a hoe put in your hand. And, and, but we need people for that anyway. Um, but if you come, actually, we need to know because we don't need a ton of people. So if you're interested in delivering gifts in Concord um, for the kids, parents in Concord, jails, would you please see me, and then we'll just uh, figure out how many people we need from there. We'd love to have you. Um, And so uh, I think that's it for uh, the things that we did. Now for the things coming up, uh, the first thing we have is um, gifts for the DR, and that was my prop. So those of you who have sponsored children at the Compassion Project at Vision Celestial in the DR are allowed one Got one one-gallon Ziploc filled with something for your um, kid that your sponsor. And here you can see candy and you can see toys and pens and writing paper and stickers and things like that. Um, so if you would fill one of those, we will haul it down there when we go on the trip. 
Go and look at the announcements because there are a few things you can't do. You can't put money in. You can't put high-valuable items in and no chocolate because of the weather down there is always hot. So bring your bags back by February 8th, if you would, Sunday, February 8th. And then the next thing we have is our Christmas services. I know you've heard this announcement before, but gear up for it, folks. It's going to be great. So um, there's the Saturday afternoon service, more um, family-friendly, a lot of the same elements, and we'll have um, candlelight service there, but that'll be a better time for the family and bring the little kids. And then at 11 o'clock at night, my favorite service of the year, the Christmas Eve service, there will be several different aspects um, to it and and a lot of music and things like that, that and also candlelight service. And then on Sunday morning, we will have our normal service at 10 10 a.m. So we're looking forward to that. And then finally, I think our last thing is that we have grief support. That's starting back up in the second week of January. Um, This is done by uh, Deb and Drew Wilkins. They are both professionals and trained in this kind of thing. If you have lost a loved one recently and are struggling through that, um, you can join that on Zoom. It's just once a month on the second Sunday, 4.30 to 5.30. See Pastor Jane DeYoung if you want more uh, details on that or see Deb or Drew on that. So um, we're looking forward to that. Wow. There was a lot of stuff going on. We're, we're having a great Advent season. This has just been delightful. And I hope you've been participating in it just beyond Sunday mornings. With that, though, stand up and greet somebody. Wish them a Merry Christmas coming up this weekend. Okay, I have, I have two things. One, could everybody, if you have room in your aisle, move toward the center. We'll make a little bit more room back there for people coming in. So move toward the center if there's a space. The second announcement is a correction. If you bring these back by February 8th, they will completely miss the trip. So how about January 8th? I only had three people come up and tell me that correction, so I appreciate all you guys. January 8th. Okay, that's it. God sent the angel Gabriel to a virgin named Mary. The angel said to her, You are highly favored, and the Lord is with you. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. The Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus ordered everyone to return to the town where the families came for a census. Even though Mary was very pregnant, she and Joseph traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Due to the crowds of people already in Bethlehem, the only place Mary and Joseph could find rest was in a stable. The time came for the baby to be born. In the place where the animal slept. Mary gave birth to Jesus, the Son of God. An angel appeared to the shepherds in the hills near Bethlehem. The angel told them, I bring you great news about a Savior who has been born, you will find a baby lying in a manger. Suddenly, many more angels appeared, praising God and wishing peace on earth. When Jesus, when Jesus was born, a bright new star appeared in the sky. Wise men from the east saw the star and knew it meant a great king had been born. They followed the star towards Bethlehem. Finding the child, they bound down and worshiped Jesus, presenting him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince Prince of Peace. Peace. Jesus Christ.
Aren't they amazing? Stay right where you are. If you're a parent and would, would like a quick snap, please come make yourself known to take a picture of these darlings. stage cleanup here. Well, I don't know how we can follow that with just about anything, but, but we're actually going to call the ushers forward to take our tithes and offerings. As we do so, I want to get serious for one minute. It is, it is hard to do that right after that. But many of you, if you are regular givers at Hillside, you know, received a letter saying that giving has been down for four consecutive years, and we've been cutting and cutting and cutting. And we realize it's, it's Christmas, it's December. This is a, a month that is critical to us in the giving at Hillside. And so if you consider yourself a, a regular Hillsider, you might just uh, ask yourself, what, what can I do this December to, uh, to help out? So I don't want to get too heavy on you, but uh, December is always an opportunity for us to, to try to bridge those gaps. And with that, let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this glorious morning and all these kids and everybody just um, bringing you worship, God, and singing praises to you. And that's what it's all about. Happy birthday, Jesus. Um, we just uh, ask that you would take these gifts that we bring you now, that you would multiply them, that we would be able to do many things in our community, many things in, in our surrounding um, region and in the world, Lord, because you have given us these gifts to pass through to others. And so we give them in your name. Amen. And if there are any students left in the room, junior high, senior high, this is your chance to go to your opportunity. What a gift, Clay. Thank you so much. Thanks for honoring the king that way. 
Well, good morning, everyone. So good to see you. If you are new this morning, I'm Dan Seitz, senior pastor here at Hillside. Sorry about my voice. I got a bit of a cold, uh, so I apologize for that. I will say that I'm starting off this morning with a little talk about soccer, but with no spoilers regarding the outcome of this morning's game. Don't worry about that. So if you know the result, unless you want a red card, don't say it, because uh, the number of Hillsiders are going home to watch. In fact, I, I still do not know the outcome. My plan is to go home and to watch it with Allison and the boys over a, about a 12-inch tower of Eggo waffles, okay? <laughs> really excited about that. But don't tell this guy coming up on the screen. Uh, I think he's going to come up. That, that's Randy Sherrod. Randy is my nutritional mentor here at uh, Hillside. Uh, this is the two of us at our last all-church retreat, as you can see. And notice which of us has the plate of thirds, okay? That kind of tells you everything. Uh, but anyway, like a lot of you, I'm sure, I've gotten really absorbed by the World Cup this time around. And of all the players, one has particularly captured me. Well, well who is it? It's not Ronaldo. It's uh, not Mbappe. It's not Lewinowski, the, the Polish star. It's not Neymar, though he is our brother in Christ, and so I, I love him uh, for that reason. It's not Kane or Pusilic or even the greatest player of all time, Lionel Messi, but he does play on Messi's team, Rodrigo DePaul. Anybody heard of Rodrigo DePaul? That's interesting. I'm not totally surprised. If you have, it's not because he scored in the tournament. He hasn't. Neither is it because he is a superstar on his professional club in Europe. He's not. Rather, it's because of his unique role on Argentina's team. You see, Rodrigo de Paul is known as the bodyguard of his illustrious teammate, Lionel Messi. And basically, this means that DePaul's job is to do everything on and off the pitch to help Lionel Messi. And I'll give you some examples. It means that he runs more to allow Messi to run less, thus saving the superstar's energy. All true. It means that he positions himself in such a way to create space for Messi to take more passes. It means that when Messi is tackled... He's there to react to the turnover. And although this isn't hockey, uh, where, as you might know, the superstars have goons on the team uh, to guard them, there's even a dimension of physical protection. A few months back, after a qualifying match with uh, Honduran, Honduras, uh, one of the Honduran coaches at the end of the game uh, grabbed Messi's arm in a sort of an aggressive way, well, who's right there to push the guy back like a concert bouncer? You guessed it, Rodrigo DePaul. Now, uh, if serving kind of as Messi's bodyguard or, or sort of on-the-pitch butler is burdensome to Rodrigo DePaul, you would be totally wrong. He absolutely loves this role, as a bunch of recent articles about him make crystal clear. Listen to him here. Playing with Messi is like playing Truco, like it's a South African card game. Having the ace of spades in every hand. If you know beforehand that you're always going to have that card, you play more at ease, more calm. Absolutely love it. Now, why do I share this? Because although I, I really don't know much about Rodrigo DePaul's backstory, you, you get the feeling from reading about this guy that when Rodrigo DePaul finally discovered his supreme purpose on the pitch, again, his purpose to be Lionel Messi's bodyguard, even though that means doing the messy work of, of running harder, 
and giving up shots, he discovered that everything fell into place. You see, knowing our purpose is a pathway for peace and productivity and all sorts of other life benefits. And that's why it's such a good thing that our fourth big present of our Advent series is the big present of purpose. And if you've been around this month, you know that our Advent series, Big Present Christmas, has all grown from the soil of the Christmas passage in Galatians, chapter 4, 4 through 7. Listen to this passage again. Paul says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that he might receive adoption as sons. And because you're sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And over this month, we've learned that in this passage, we discover four humongous presents. And it's not just rhetoric. These are real presents that Christians enjoy year-round because of Christmas, because Jesus, the eternal Son of God, took on flesh and came to earth being born in a manger. And so far, we've unwrapped three of these presents. We've unwrapped the present of freedom. We've unwrapped the present of family. And last week, we unwrapped the present of power. Today, week four, we unwrap the fourth present, the present of purpose. In Christ, we receive the gift of a new purpose. Well, what is that purpose? Let me keep you in suspense just for a couple of more minutes. Again, there are so many benefits to really understanding and pursuing our in Christ purpose. But at the the very top of a long list is this benefit. Knowing our purpose, knowing our in Christ purpose positively directs our powerful human energies. Let me say it again so it sinks in. Knowing our purpose powerfully and positively directs our powerful human energies. What do I mean by that? Not long ago, I learned about a really interesting guy, a, a, a British World War I veteran named Maurice Wilson. Listen to this guy. Before he ever earned a pilot's license, before he ever learned the first thing about mountaineering, decides to be the first person to climb to the summit of Mount Everest and to do it all by himself. And like so many other shell-shocked World War I veterans known as the Lost Generation, Wilson, he just does not know what to do with his life. And you could describe him as pure drive, looking for some kind of direction with trauma mixed in, uh, making the, the, the cocktail of his life even more combustible. So what does he decide to do? It's pretty crazy. He decides to fly from England to Tibet and then to crash land his puddle jumper airplane on the lower slopes of Everest, and then to climb to the very top of Everest all by himself, making history. He decides it's true. You can read the book by Ed Caesar. Amazingly, I mean, through absolutely incredible grit, he makes it to Tibet several times uh, flying on fumes, he, 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 he eventually makes it to the mountain itself. Nevertheless, as you might guess, his full plan does not work out too well. What's the point? The point's this. You know, if we, if we look around, it's using the power of our observation, we see so many Maurice Wilsons in our midst. We see people with an itch to do something, to be someone, 
But so often these quests go up in smoke. Think about it. Influencers who implode. Entrepreneurs who end up behind bars, like Elizabeth Holmes and Sam Bankman-Fried, who you might have read about this past week. You see, we humans have this deep desire to advance and to achieve. And in that way, you could say we're almost like helicopters with these powerful horizontal rotors. But without the vertical rotor, the stabilizer of a true purpose, we too often crash and burn. Well, the vertical rotor is our fourth big present, the gift of purpose. Well, again, what is that purpose? Here's what it is. Our purpose is fixed to our new family. We live by faith. Let me say it again. Fixed to our new family, we live by faith. The opportunity to live by faith in the Messiah is our fourth big present. Now, I can see it in your faces. This present, this statement, it might sound to you like frozen waffles, okay? But in reality, it's Michelle's Easter Sunday French toast. It really is. What does it mean to live by faith, especially in the terms of Galatians, okay? It becomes very clear when we consider the punchline of Paul's letter. Now, stay with me here because this gets a little bit dense for about 90 seconds. If we read Paul's letter to the Galatians straight through, which is very easy to do, it takes about 15 minutes, we do it in one setting, and we really allow Galatians to speak for itself. We let it present its own argument. We really discover a very surprising punchline to this famous biblical book, and it's this. Everyone who belongs to Jesus, everyone who places faith in Jesus the King, regardless of sex, regardless of skin color, regardless of social background. Everyone is a, a first-class member of Abraham's family. That's the big punchline of the book of Galatians. And we see it in our passage in Paul's reference to all believers being sons and heirs. But preeminently, we see it in Galatians 3.29, kind of the fulcrum of the whole book, in which Paul thunders, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So Abraham is central to Paul's point about purpose in Galatians. In fact, in this short book, he mentions Abraham eight times. Well, what do we know about Abraham? Abraham, more than anything, was a man of faith. In fact, in Galatians 3.9, Paul calls him the man of faith. The man of faith. Well, let's draw the threads together. If our purpose as those who belong to Christ is to live by faith, and if Abraham is the quintessential man of faith, like Paul says in Galatians, it follows that a key way that we live by faith is to live like Abraham, to follow in his footsteps like Paul says explicitly in Romans 4.12. Now, of course, the Lord Jesus is our supreme example of living by faith, and as such, he's our supreme model for, for life. But as Paul makes crystal clear in Galatians and makes crystal clear in Romans, Abraham is meant to be a faith model as well. So then how do we savor this fourth big present? How do we live by faith practically? How do we live like Abraham? Here's the most important part of this sermon. First, forged to our new family, we live by faith by clinging to God's crazy promises. That's the first way. In Romans 4.18, Paul says that in hope, Abraham believed against hope in God's promises. God promised that he and Sarah would have a son, not through a surrogate, 
but through their own union, their own advanced age notwithstanding. And Abraham believed. Romans 4.20, no unbelief made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. And friends, we savor this fourth big present. We live out our life purpose. We live by faith when, like Abraham himself, we keep clinging to God's promises regardless of how incredible or outlandish they might strike us at times. Do you know why this is so important, especially for light bearers like us? Because expressing confidence in God and doing it publicly, that he's going to help us, that he's going to sustain us, that he's going to carry us through the difficulties of our lives, and ultimately he's going to resurrect us from the dead, is one of the key ways we shine a floodlight on God. And when so many others quiver in fear about their future and even the future of the earth, we express confidence that in the end, God's going to raise us and he's going to restore creation because he promised it. Second, forged to our new family, we live by faith by relying upon his power in responding to his call. You know, when God promises that though they are a hundred years old, maybe a hundred years plus, they will have a son together, <laughs> both Abraham and Sarah laugh. They laugh when they hear this. And it's not surprising that they would. Ancient people were no fools. They knew how the world worked. And they knew that 100-year-old marriage partners do not conceive children. But they responded in obedience anyway, relying on God's strength. Now, it's kind of funny, kind of sweet to consider what obedience <laughs> meant for Abraham and Sarah at that moment. Now, this is a family service, okay? But think about it. Candles, a bottle of wine, a Sam Cooke record. Use your imagination or don't, okay? Romans 4.19. Abraham did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Everyone get what's going on here? Ever seen that before in Romans 4? It's there. That's what living by faith and in particular, relying on God's power in responding to his particular call meant at that particular moment for Abraham and Sarah. For us, it will likely mean different things. It will mean discerning what the living Lord is calling us to in conversation with our spiritual companions and then venturing forth, even if we wonder if we have the strength. You know, I asked her if I could share this, and she agreed if I gave a shout out to her team. But if we want a picture of living by faith, and particularly in this second dimension of relying upon God's power in responding to his particular call, we need look no further than our own Sherry Nodder. It's so true. Sherry has multiple sclerosis. It's caused bodily weakening. But early in the fall, she sensed God's call to lead our sharing tree ministry. And so like Abraham, as Paul describes him in Romans 4.19, Sherry did not weaken in faith when she considered her own body and forged ahead. And this is even though this role required heaving around a mountain of presence. And like Randy said, God used Sherry to lead the most successful sharing tree ministry 
in recent years. And, you know, your example of living by faith, especially in this second way, has inspired me. Thank you so much. You know, thank you for modeling for us all what it means to live our in Christ purpose. Living by faith, and especially very particularly in the second sense, relying on God's strength to tackle something that the living Lord has called us to do, even if we wonder whether our strength is equal to it. And Sherry was emphatic to give a shout out to the whole Sharing Tree team. Do you appreciate the Sharing Tree team, church? Yeah, yeah. I do too. Here's the most, uh, maybe the most magnificent one of all. Forged to our new family, we live by faith, by living as God's true friends. Abraham was the paragon, the exemplar of faith, but that faith grew out of something even deeper than the faith itself. Did you know, three times in Scripture, Abraham is called the friend of God. James 2.23, and the Scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Abraham was God's friend. When God looked at Abraham, he saw a friend. He saw somebody whose company he cherished. He saw someone whose conversation he savored. He saw somebody whose confidence he treasured. And brothers and sisters, when God looks upon us, those he saved and those he's saving through the work of his Son and Spirit, he sees friends. He sees companions whom he desires to know ever more deeply until the day when faith becomes sight. We live by faith by giving God, the Creator, as mysterious as he is, our friendship. Do you know how old Abraham was when he began to live by faith? When he began his life pattern of, of believing in God's promises, even though they look crazy, and trusting in God's power to fulfill a calling and being God's friend, you know how old he was? He was 75 years old, which means that it's never too late, and we're never too old. Let me close with this. You know, because I love Yosemite, I love John Muir, and I've, I've been learning more about John Muir recently. I think it's just wonderful that uh, his historic home is in our backyard in Martinez, where a lot of hillsiders live and when we think of John Muir, we tend to think of the, the, maybe the world's greatest naturalist, and of course he was. But before that, surprise, surprise, John Muir was an inventor, a tinkerer, and a machinist. Did you know that? It's new for me. Anyway, after leaving college at the University of Wisconsin, he moves to Indianapolis, and he gets a job in a machine shop. And while he's working one day, a, a metal file lands on a fast-moving belt and it flies into his left eye. And within minutes of this injury, his eye fogs over, becoming uh, completely useless. And shortly after that, the other eye, out of sympathy, according to his biographer, similarly goes misty. And Muir, whose passion for nature is just beginning to blossom, is certain that he's going to spend the rest of his life in the dark. And understandably, Muir sinks into this terrible depression. And 
during this time of darkness, both literal and figurative, he starts to think back on his life. And he realizes that machines are not his calling. He realizes that it's rather God's natural world, the world of creation. He was a theist. The mountains, the animals, and particularly the plants, he realized that was his passion. But tragically, he thinks he's come to this awareness too late. After a few weeks, a pinprick of light appears in his eye. Then the other. And then over the next few months, millimeter by millimeter, John Muir recovers his sight almost completely. And from then on, he never looks back. Forsaking the clank of the machine shop, he will give his life to exploring and protecting God's creation. And we have Yosemite in the national parks today because of that discovery. What's the point? Here's what. Maybe, maybe now's your John Muir moment. Maybe someone here has been blinded by a terrible loss or a defeat or a failure. Maybe, just maybe, through that terrible pain, God has been trying to get you to come home to your true purpose. Your purpose as one of his family members to live a new life, believing in his promises even when they seem crazy. And taking risks in reliance of his power and being his friend. And maybe that's why God allowed you to take the file in the eye or the arrow in the heart. Maybe it's all because the creator God has been trying to get you to come to him, home to him, his family, and your true purpose. You know, if we already know Jesus as Lord, you know, savoring this fourth big present, it, it's really as simple this week. It's just picking one dimension to focus on. Let me ask you, and I want you to think about this. What could it mean for you this week? Could it be deciding to re-believe God's amazing promises? Maybe one in particular, like the promise to restore creation and to give those who belong to him a permanent and glorious home in it. Maybe that's it. Could it be re-resolving to follow God where he's leading in reliance on his power, even if you wonder whether your strength is up to it? Or could it be recommitting to understanding yourself as God's friend, Someone whose companionship brings God delight and pleasure. And so could it mean giving him the big present of your time and your attention and your focus in a more consistent way? But here's the thing. If we don't know Jesus as Lord, if we don't know him as Lord, you know, savoring this fourth big present it requires one preliminary step. You see, living by faith requires launching in faith. And first, it's a two-part decision. One in which we declare belief. We say in our minds and our hearts this. We say, Father, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he preexisted. I believe that he took on flesh. I believe that he came at Christmas. I believe he lived a perfect life. I believe he died on the cross for sins. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose again. I believe he ascended to share your throne. I believe he poured out his power. And I believe that someday he's going to return to review our lives, to crown those who put faith in him, and to restore the world. I believe that even if I can't root out every last shred of doubt, I believe it. I can't explain Jesus any other way. 
And secondly, after that declared belief in those facts is personal devotion. And here we say, not only do I believe those things to be true, but I'm personally leaning into it. And we say this, King Jesus, I now give you my allegiance. You're a king, and that's what kings desire, allegiance. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your cleansing from every bad thing I've ever done. And now I receive your spirit so that I can live a brand new life. My true purpose, a member of your royal family, your world rescuing family, and as your personal and intimate friend. And I don't know everything that that could mean. But with the light that I have, I place my life before you. That's personal devotion. And Scripture says that when we combine declared belief with personal devotion, we're reborn. We become brand new people. We become God's children, God's family members, and yes, God's friends, launched with a brand new life purpose to live by faith through whatever happens until the very end when we inherit new bodies and a new creation. If you would like to declare belief and profess devotion, you know what I encourage you to do? Make this Advent season the time when you do it. And I encourage you to do it today. And if you want, during this song, come on up and I'll pray with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this fourth extraordinary big present that we have because your son came at Christmas, the present of purpose. And we thank you for the Rodrigo de Paul kind of peace that flows from knowing and living that purpose. We thank you for it. We savor it. We treasure it. And we recommit ourselves to you this week as your friends, amazed, odd that our companionship brings you the pleasure that it does. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. been a very full morning this morning, hasn't it? It's been so good to be together 
Floyd and Laura are ready to pray for you. If you'd like prayer, Janet will be available too. Uh, they would love to pray for you. Maybe, maybe you've taken an arrow in the heart, uh, a file in the eye, and you're really hurting this morning. I know there are people in that condition today. I know it. Invite you to come up, receive the ministry of the Lord Jesus himself through these prayer ministers. Your benediction. May our good God, who takes distinct pleasure in us as children and servants and friends, may that God be very real and very near to you all week as you live for him and his purposes in great joy. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.